Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And we've got a great lineup here from 6 a.m. all the way to 6 p.m. with the sports junkies, 6 to 10. MP on the mic has had some really great shows over the last few months taken over for BetQL. You can hear Michael from 10 to noon. I'm 12 to 3 before we pass it off to Grant and Danny in Washington, D.C. And every Friday at 1245, we catch up with one of the donks behind the glass of the sports junkies. And this week, it's our buddy Matt Valdez. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what's the biggest sports story on your world right now? Ooh, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I'm pretty excited for this Ravens-Detroit uh, Lions matchup. I think it's one of the top matchups this weekend in the NFL. And it's a really big litmus test for the Ravens. I don't think they've really played um, – uh, an upper echelon opponent, and the Detroit Lions, well, we're going to find out if they're for real or not. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm picking the Lions to win this game. Uh, I said it last segment, all right? I, I did the hot take alert. The Jaguars and the Lions are going to win a playoff game this year, both of those franchises. Wow. And just, and just think about it. Washington's been struggling to get into the playoffs for the last uh, 20 or get their playoff win in the last what, 20 years, I feel like. All right, let's do the bit. It's time for Don't Sleep on These Picks. It's time for Don't Sleep on These Picks. Presented by Don't Sleep Energy. Awad will be joined by one of the donks behind the glass, Drab and Valdez. He's the sexiest man on the planet. To go through the best college and NFL games of the weekend. Weekend, weekend, Don't sleep on this segment every Friday at 1245 on Awad Radio. All right, so Valdez, I want to start with our NFL lock of the week. I am still in our Odyssey NFL survivor pool. We are down to just... 11 members. We started with more than 20. I survived last week uh, on picking the Commanders, but my lock of the week this week is the Buffalo Bills to beat the New England Patriots. We just did a story saying the higher-ups in New England want them to tank. They want Caleb Williams. The Pats are going to lose this one by a million, Valdez. Uh, Drabby and I have the Bills in our Survivor League. I think the Bills is the best play. Uh, the other sexy play that that's out there is burning Seattle against the Cardinals. And I don't know if I really like it that much. It's a, you know, it's a divisional matchup. I know the Bills-Patriots uh, is a divisional matchup. But since, since Lumen Field opened, I believe the Arizona Cardinals have the most wins on the road at Seattle than any other team in the NFL with nine. <laughs> so that, so they, play, they play pretty well at Seattle. So I'm going to stay away from that game. And I think you're on the right side with the Bills as your survivor. Wow, survivor that's so play. funny that you mentioned that because half of the pool has all picked the Seahawks already. <laughs> I think I think you're gonna I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised come Sunday night. All right, do you have a college football lock for this weekend? Oh yeah, my college football lock is the big game this weekend between Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State's got one of the best, the best defense in the country, and we kind of saw what Ohio State does against these better defenses when they played Notre Dame. Uh, they have explosive players. But they just can't distribute the ball to them in space. They kind of get sluggish. They, I know Ryan Day wants to wants to ground and pound it. So I think this is going to be a race to 21. So I'm going to take the under 
and Penn State, Ohio State. Um, it's going to be it's going to be one of the better games uh, of the college football season. I feel like it's going to be a real slugfest. So it's going to be a race to twenty one. I think it's going to be 23-17 Penn State. I'm calling an upset, but I, I would stay away from the side, and I would like I like the under. I think forty sevens out there. It might have dropped down to around forty five and a half, but you can find forty five and a half out there on FanDuel or any of the other sports books. Man, I don't like that I'm agreeing with you because you're 0-3 on your crabby sports picks. Uh, but I, 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 look, I, I think, know, I know. My the 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 crab sports parlays are are going so well. But yes, uh, last time I talked to you, I had Oklahoma outright and I had the Ravens under. So, so we're we're hot on we're hot on AWOD show. All right, and, and I'm with you on Penn State. I think James Franklin finally has all the recruits that he wants to win these big games. I don't think they beat Michigan later in the season, but I've got Penn State upsetting Ohio State. My college football lock of the week, though, is here locally with Virginia traveling to Chapel Hill to face off against North Carolina. They're the 10th-ranked team in the country, second-best team in the ACC, 6-0 on the season. Drake May is a Heisman candidate. He's already thrown for almost 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns to four interceptions. UVA is is poopy this season. Uh, Defensively, they're not very good. Offensively, Tony Musket is just a guy. They should have gone with Anthony Calandria. They decided to redshirt him. I'm not a fan of that decision. I've already said it's going to end up getting Tony Elliott fired. I've got North Carolina winning this game easily and covering the 23.5 spread, Valdez. Well, you think about it, Adam. We're in Heisman season, and you have these Heisman candidates. Coaches need their players to put up numbers. Yeah. So I can see I can see it getting out of hand for UVA, and I can see kind of Drake May staying in there longer than he needs to to kind of pat those stats for the Heisman race. All right, Valdez, what is your sports tilt of the week? My sports tilt of the week, and I think I'm pretty sure you guys have talked about it, but it is unbelievable, unbelievable that JMU cannot go to a bowl game this season. <laughs> this this is one of the, the best program football program in Virginia. It, they've shown time and time again that they are for real. The Sun Belt is getting hoard out of possibly New Year's Six Bowl money, and this team looks like they can compete with anybody. And it's a travesty that these kids can't they, they can't enjoy a, a bowl game. The only the only time that they could get into a bowl is off a of technicality if one of the eighty two teams doesn't reach six wins. But that's that's a travesty, and the NCAA should be ashamed of themselves. They really should, and I agree with you. My sports, the tilts of the week, I'm going to take it a step further. The biggest sports radio show in the DMV should be talking about JMU every day. Why hasn't Kurt Signetti, the head coach, been on the Junkies? Jordan McLeod, the head co- uh, the quarterback. Dave Rickard, the voice of the Dukes. Valdez, this is on you and Drabby. JMU's not getting I, enough, enough love by the Junkies. I agree with you. I blame the producers too, Adam. <laughs> You're picking your good talent because what you do is blame the producers. <laughs> All right, we've been doing a Flashback Friday segment here on Don't Sleep on These Picks. It's sponsored by Don't Sleep Energy. Need the energy to stay up late and see your late-night picks go up in flames? It's easy. Head over to don'tsleepenergy.com. Use promo code AWOD Radio to save some cash. Your picks might go busto, but you'll be loaded with gusto. Don't sleep makes you great. All right, Valdez, I'll go first here this week. The flashback Friday for me is I have so many vivid memories 
of watching George Mason reach the Final Four. You know, so many great wins in that one. But the the win against UConn, I was at soccer practice. I missed the first half, and my dad and I stopped at a bar and watched the second half, and they won that game to make it to the Final Four. And I just I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. Some of my greatest memories wow. of watching college basketball as a kid was that year when JMU made the Final Four. Well, maybe that's maybe that's how you developed your alcoholism. Was your dad <laughs> taking you to a bar when you're a kid? <laughs> um, you know what? You know what's hot right now in college football, Adam? What is is rushing the field? Oh yeah. And uh, and when I was at University of Maryland, I think it was my freshman year. Might, might have been my sophomore year. Um, Maryland played Boston College when they had Matt Ryan on the team, and I think Boston College was ranked like fifth or eighth in the country. And the Terps had a night game, and and they ended up pulling off the upset, and we rushed the field. And you know what? The old man, the old man in me wants to say, "Come on, guys, don't rush the field if you're a favorite, or like Colorado did this year against Colorado State, or like Notre Dame did when they beat USD." But but you know what? Rushing the field is exhilarating, and when you're 20 years old. <laughs> You're supposed to have the time of your life when you're in college. So I'm all for kids rushing the field as long as this, as long as they do it safely and as long as they're not hurting anyone else on the field, hurting players or anything like that. But I'm all for kids enjoying the college experience and rushing the field. Doesn't matter if you're if you're ten point favorites or ten point underdogs. Go ahead and do it. YOLO, you only live once. Do you remember a game that you rushed the field at Maryland? Yeah. They beat Boston College when Matt Ryan was was quarterback. I think I think uh, they, Boston College was number eight in the country or number five in the country. Mm-hmm. It was uh, exhilarating. It was awesome. Man, I'm so jealous of that VCU with no football. So uh, the only time I got to rush a court was my freshman year at the Coliseum here in Richmond when they won the CAA championship. It just didn't hit that hard. It was just the CAA. <laughs> Dude, it's it's there's nothing there's nothing better than a big like a big time football game. And then you know, winning an upset at home and just going crazy. Yeah. I don't think I don't think College Park slept for three days after that night. <laughs> Valdez, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you joining the show. Yep. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yep. That was Don't Sleep on These Picks presented by Don't Sleep Energy. Need the energy to stay up and see your late night picks go up in flames? It's easy to head over to don'tsleepenergy.com. Use the promo code today to support Don't Sleep. It's don'tsleepenergy.com, promo code AWAD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWAD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every game can be heard here at Odyssey Richmond on the Odyssey app. You can hear us on the go or 910 The Fan AM 105.1 FM with a full two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show. And this week, the Commanders are up in New York to face off against the Giants. Two games last year that the Commanders blew, and that's why they didn't get into the postseason. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Sean Mirage from WFAN in New York. What's going on, Sean? From AWADs to tightwads. What's up, bro? <laughs> Dude, I picked the Giants to win the division at the start of the season, and now I'm taking all the heat for that bad take. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, they weren't ready to win the division. I thought they would compete a lot more than this, and they probably would have if they didn't get severely banged up on opening night in Dallas. But, yeah, this has been a, 
a season off the rails, Adam, and I will say this, I never want to hear from you or any other Commander fan if you don't find a way to win this game Sunday. <laughs> well, let's just start re- right there. Do you have any update on the status of Daniel Jones? Uh, the last I checked in, in about five minutes ago, uh, our good friend Tiki Barber is doing the show today, our show, our afternoon show, from the Giants facilities. He's on the call of the game. Um, the belief is Daniel Jones probably isn't playing. Is there a chance he wakes up tomorrow and the doctors go, yeah, he's cleared for contact. He threw a bunch of practice this week, sure. But I find it highly doubtful. And I would wager to guess, and this is my own personal belief, the Giants don't want him going out there and taking another hit until their left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who got hurt in the first quarter of game number one, is back. All right, each week I take Commanders fans behind Bienemy lines to find out how the opposition plans to defend no, I see Coach Eric Bienemy's high-powered offense. And this week it's in New York no. with Sean Marash from the Evan and Tiki Show. All right, hey, what Army members? It's time to go on a mission. A secret mission behind enemy lines. We scout out the opponent. Break down the competition with intel and reporting from the inside. How is the competition planning to stop Eric the Enemy's high-powered offense? As we oh go God. behind the enemy <laughs> lines. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we, oh we got a good production team here in Richmond. <laughs> so that production is awesome, and I am a sucker for a pun. That being said, do you guys not realize your offense also sucks, or is that just me? <laughs> our offense sucks because our quarterback holds on to the ball too long, but we he can throw. That's, your quarterback can no. only run in a straight line. <laughs> well, first of all, Daniel Jones is much better than Sam Howell, but touche, touche. Um, yeah, I think the, how you defend behind the enemy lines – Look, the Giants have the least amount of sacks in the NFL. So if they are going to beat the Washington Commanders, they can't have the least amount of sacks in the NFL again this week. They have five sacks in the year, four of which are from Kayvon Thibodeau. Their best pass rusher, I would argue, is Aziz Ojolari. He's on injured reserve. This has to be Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau wrecking the game a little bit. But I will say this. Part of the reason the Giants played so well versus Buffalo defensively, and it was their first real complete game, is that first-round pick Deontay Banks, a Maryland guy, has really come along strong. I mean, some might argue he's actually got like the best coverage rates of any rookie corner in the NFL. And Cordell Flott, a third-rounder last year, has come along in the nickel, which I think is going to help, especially the way Washington likes to use their nickel. Uh, and because of that, Wink Martindale, man, he is trusting those young guys on the back end, which is allowing them to stick with more man coverage and bring some blitz. I think they're going to try to just harass Sam Howell this entire game. And I actually expect the Giants defense to put up a big effort here. I don't think Washington can get north of 20 in this game. I kind of think it's going to be low scoring, too. How's that secondary for the Giants? Because I do have Washington's game plan being to target Terry McLaurin early and often. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably becoming the Giants' strength of the team. Uh, Dory Jackson had to start the year as a slot corner, which he's not. He's a veteran outside corner because the Giants' depth was brutal. But as I mentioned, Cordell Flott, their last year's third-round pick, they wanted to come along, had a bad camp. He has now retaken that slot role the last two weeks and has done a phenomenal job, uh, including a huge bass breakup versus Buffalo last week. And bumping a Dory back to the outside and the emergence of what Deontay Banks has become as a first-rounder, shockingly, the Giants might have actually hit on a first-rounder. They have, I mean, dare I say, a burgeoning three stud corners with Xavier McKinney playing some hell of a safety. So, uh, again, though, if, if the Giants can't get to Sam Howell, 
and he could sit there and hold on to the ball, but the Giants don't actually get there, which is a common theme, you know, not every secondary can hold on that long. So uh, the Giants' strength is going to be that secondary. It's a matter of if they get home on how. Sean, what 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 work do you do for the Giants? I saw you promoting the trash mirage thing. What kind of bit do you got going on there? <laughs> I am doing well. If any of your Commander fans are taking a trip up, there's a bar Reds outside of MetLife Stadium. It's doing a tailgate, and you could throw trash at me. More trash at more as this. <laughs> uh, we're doing a big WFAN tailgate, our New York station up here, and I'll be there. But uh, yeah, that's where that's where I'll be. I'm doing a big big old thing here ahead uh, of Giants Commanders. All right, so it's Giants Commanders this Sunday. We're going behind the enemy lines right now with Sean Rash from WFAN. Uh, red zone. For the Commanders, they've been much improved in the red zone. I think part of that is Sam Howell's ability to run. He's also got a stronger arm than Taylor Heineke. It's how he had that bullet pass to Jahan Dotson to mm-hmm. tie the Eagles late. You guys have had some big red zone issues, especially last big week. Big red zone issues. Yeah. They haven't scored. The Giants have not scored an offensive touchdown at home all season. <laughs> if they get the end zone, it'll be the first time. Yeah, the Giants have struggled mightily. And you saw the way uh, even Terod Taylor was completely lost at the goal line uh, to end the half last week. Now, the Giants uh, just went basically a whole month without Saquon Barkley. He's a big part of what they do in the red zone. He was a factor last week. He will be a factor this week. But honestly, it's been Darren Waller cannot catch a ball in the red zone. Everything's either a drop or a pass breakup. I, I, I'd like to... Put a, put a positive spin on things, but this is why I said, you know, it gets to the point where it's a little embarrassing time after time. you got to convert, and the Giants have yet to prove they can convert, and they're likely going to have their backup quarterback out there who looked like a, an absolute mess in the red zone a week ago. So they have some big play weapons like Jalen Hyatt. I kind of think if the Giants are going to score touchdowns in this game, it's going to come from outside the red zone and making some big plays against your fraudulent secondary. What's it going to take for the Giants to win this game? It seems like you're going with, hey, if we dominate the line of scrimmage, we could win an That's ugly it. defensive That's game. It's it's dominate the line of scrimmage and get one or two big plays deep, whether it's Jalen Hyatt running free, Wondell Robinson, something like that. Um, if this is a move-the-chains game and the Giants are stifling, they're going to kick a lot of field goals uh, and probably come out of Luzanne. Washington will find a way to score a touchdown or two in this game. It's not like the Giants have the 85 Bears defense. They've just... They've come a long way. I, I honestly predict that this game in, ends up being somewhere in like the 20 to 17 range. And I kind of think your guys are going to kick a field goal at the gun and once and for all bury the Giants season. I, I love to hear that, man. I, I don't like how you, you're not very high on Sam Howell. Are you just reading all the headlines that say he's taking no, too no, many no. sacks? Actually, <laughs> believe me, I've bet way too many commander games. I've seen every Sam Howell snap this year. <laughs> uh, I'm intrigued by Sam Howell, but take it from somebody who's tried to pump up a lot of mediocre quarterback play here and believe as a fan the last couple of years. Uh, Sam Howell's not going to be an elite quarterback in the league. But it doesn't mean you can't win with those guys. Um, I, I think I've seen more good than bad. I just I'm not fearful as a Giant fan that suddenly Washington has this awesome quarterback for the next decade. So what's the answer then in New York? Because you have the same issue with Daniel Jones and you paid Tank, him, baby. Tank, you beat us, you bury us. Let's go, let's go win two games and find a way to Caleb or Drake May. That's the answer. So you think somebody will trade for Daniel Jones though? Or are you just eating up all that money? No. It's first of all, it's actually not that much money. After next year, it's pretty minimal cap hit to get out from his cap. That's like the big myth about the Giant Daniel Jones contract. It's basically a two-year deal. So we're already one-year deal into this. And also, by the way, his neck injury is a big, you know, two neck injuries in three years. His contract's extremely cuttable after next year. They're going to have to eat a little money in year three, and it's basically no money in year four. So they put this contract in place where, ooh, $40 million. Well, he's paid like the 12th highest-paid quarterback in the, in the league, and you're not stuck to him beyond two years. So it's actually a very favorable contract. Ultimately, it's this. the commander's winning this game. I'm sorry to tell you, Adam, that might force the Giants into tank mode. 
you could actually make a case that Commanders winning this game sends the Giants towards that franchise quarterback that ends up ruining the Commanders for the next 15 <laughs> years. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll take the win and get above 500. That's fine with me, there, man. There, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, man. Good stuff as always. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. Yep, Later. that is Sean Marash. Of course, he is from the Evan and Tiki Show on WFAN. He's a great radio host and so always has some fun, funny takes on social media. Love getting his take on the G-Man. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you're enjoying this show and you want to support us, download the podcast, all right? We get credit for all the podcast downloads. Stubb does a great job working hard putting these podcasts together. So each hour of the show is available, and it's got a great description. So you know, oh, this is the Richmond Commander. This is Netflix and so such. And then we put on a best of hour of AWOD radio. Uh, The best four segments every single day is available for you. On your ride home at 4 p.m. Stubb, happy Friday, man. Yeah. Made it through. This was a tough week. This was a big week for me. Do it four and a half hours on the board (laughs) right now. Yeah. I know. I I like when I I get to you myself, right? When Michael (laughs) Phillips gets his own producer and I can have you work on some production stuff. But uh, double duty this week, filling in to produce uh, the Michael Phillips show. And he was on the road, out and about, doing a show from a golf tournament. So... It, it feels like a Friday, right? Like yeah. It feels like we worked hard this week. We both deserve a beer. Yeah, ready to ready to get some food yeah. after this. Yeah, and Before, there's a lot to do uh, in Richmond this weekend. Yeah, we, we, we both have a lot of plans. Yeah, I'm going to go to River City Roll for the Shuck and Roll, and then I think it's the Pumpkin Festival is right at Bon Secours, so I can hit both of those. They're right next to each other uh, at, in Scott's yeah. Edition. And I'm going to hit the Tattoo and Art Festival yeah. that we heard about. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. For that. So yeah, shout probably, out to Jesse Smith. He came in studio to promote it last week. Might hit the shuck and roll also. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get in the segment, okay. I wanted to bring up that AWOD yes. doesn't know how compasses work, I, I think. <laughs> we were we were earlier in the studio. I was trying to show him figure out like where I lived in Richmond because yeah. he wanted to know what f- restaurants I was nearby. Yeah. And we he, you were trying to explain to me. Like, like trying to figure out and like visualize to me, and you're saying like east and west of ECU, yeah. and 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 it, nothing was making sense that you were saying, and I was like, I must be wrong. I haven't lived downtown for long. I know. Well, here's the issue: is that when I lived on campus at VCU, all right, I lived in Oregon Hill, and so I had the Oregon Hill perspective of Richmond. Now I'm in Scott's Edition, so I only have the Scott's Edition perspective of Richmond. So when I come out of my apartment in Scott's Edition and I say, Hey, what's north? Uh, north is the fan. That's north not is the museum district. You apparently, that's not. South. There's apparently only that's one south. north. <laughs> you just, I'm sorry. I don't walk around with a compass. Mr. Wait, no, you Boy need Scout. a compass. You, do you not open like Google Maps to see where you're going? No, Why have, is it upside uh, down? I open Google Maps all the time. I just say it tells me to go straight, left, right, up, <laughs> down. Have, it doesn't tell me northeast. We have a map of Richmond in the studio that we can look at, and Adam's trying to tell me that VCU is to the west of like well, of the fan. That map is going to be completely upside down next week, so that I'm right. Well, then all the the words are going to be upside down. It's, you, I didn't know you've been using that map. I as haven't a, been as using that map, but it's right there. You you just told me that uh. I was north of you and that's wrong 
You know what? Can't you be like a good producer and just say, Adam, everything you say is correct. I love your hot takes. Man, you have such great foresight on all these great sports news. I've been listening to like other shows when you're out and everyone's, everyone is talking about how Sam Howell stops, needs to stop getting sacked except for you. Yeah, I and I haven't told you you're wrong yet, but everyone that I hear that says so that you're wrong. I, that's because I say, sacks are not turnovers. He could be sacked more than anyone in the NFL. You know what I care about? Wins and losses and turnovers. And he's figured out how to not turn the ball over, and the boys are 3-3. Three and three. I appreciate I you listening to other sports radio programs. I don't though. know enough to tell you you're wrong yet, but everyone else is telling you, me that you you're wrong. all the callers on Grand Danny. Yeah, Grand this Danny. damn offensive line can't protect Sam Howell. Michael Phillips. <laughs> Everyone's saying that. So I, I haven't weighed in on you yet, but I'm... My I don't boy, know to believe you. Because my boy Sam Howell is going to figure out this sack issue. It is a issue that you can solve. I mean, my, my first week here, you gave me a survivor pool pick that was wrong. Yeah, well, so, I, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I know. I stole $5 from you. You did. Right, you, know? you did. And then you stole five of Zach's dollars yeah, from me. And you know what? Zach still needs to make his pick. Um, and speaking of that, there are a ton of people in our league taking the Seahawks. And I'm going to zig when everyone else is zagging. All right? I'll give out my official pick coming up at 245. But right now, it's time to go around the world of Hollywood and entertainment. Stubbs' favorite segment of the week, Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right. I'll let you lead us off today with Netflix because you were talking all week about how much of a Scorsese fan you are. And I believe you went out to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I did. It was Scorsese Day for me and my friends. Uh, did, you, cu- did you watch another movie before this? No. Okay. No, no, no. So uh, well, Scorsese I, Day was just that three-hour I mean, it was a, I was in the theater for four hours, so that's a day. <laughs> Some would call that a day. Yeah, yeah. All right, and let me start with this because before you get to the review, I always like this whole setup here. Uh you, you usually save money. Did you spend on popcorn or soda? I did not. Okay. And I think I should have because yeah. that yeah. was four hours yeah, in the theater. Yeah, that's kind of dry. My, you yeah. weren't liquored up or anything. No, 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 no. I drove. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, my buddy Tomas, he yeah. got some popcorn. Nice. My friend James, he got my roommate, the, yeah. the, the, the weird ice cream guy he yeah. got some weird candy he called it like a kazoodle what i don't know what, what apparently it, it was a sweet tart rope but he said they used to be called kazoodles so that's what he called them if, did it look like a nerd rope because i love yeah, nerd yeah. Rope. It, but like not with the nerds it was like a flat string yeah. and okay. they're both crunching yeah. and snacking it's this the quietest movie you've ever heard they're re- <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just hearing these two snacking away the whole the whole time how comfortable were the seats it's fine. They were they were fine seats. We, they, you don't put your legs up, can you? No, yeah. I. That's, Blacksburg. That's kind of my new rule. Blacksburg, they got the good seats. I got so spoiled. The Regal there. None of the Regals in town have the nice seats. Yeah, they spoiled you at Virginia Tech. They did. They really did. <laughs> yeah. And so here, it's fine. This was a nicer one. This mm-hmm. was kind of a crappy theater where it's pretty flat. Like the seats are flat. So Ooh. if it's full, so what you got a lot of heads in front of you. In? We were in the middle. I mean, there were three other people there not, compared to us. Yeah, it was a six-person. But didn't you say this was like the most highly anticipated film of the year? I, I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, it's a Scorsese. They don't do great. I mean, it was Thursday at eight, so it was getting out at midnight. There's I'm sure a lot of people, people had at, at Dune too. That's so there will be, and that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Uh, so there was like one guy in front of us, two yeah. old ladies in the back. Yeah. And it, you know, but I, I like an empty theater. I want to watch it to myself. I want okay. to pretend that it, I have the money to have my own big. So nobody took their phones out in the middle nope, of the movie. Nope. Everyone was quiet. Well, the guy in front of us like was 
talking to himself every now and then. Like, something happened in the movie, and he made a comment on it to himself. That damn so. Leo! He's, <laughs> he's unkillable! So, uh, Alright, so, so let's get to your review. Um, this... I mean, I love pretty much every Scorsese movie I've seen, save... I'm honestly not a big Wolf of Wall Street guy myself. This is another... You're a little anti-Margot Robbie. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Did you see the rumor that was going around that she did the scene where she's, like, telling Leo that they won't have sex pantyless? She did that scene pantyless? I think I have heard that. Yeah. I think I've, I've heard the rumors. Leo DiCaprio. Unbelievable. <laughs> Part of that man right there. <laughs> to, to not just doing lose, his best out there. To not there. just, you know, go off one script. Of, one of the best actors. <laughs> um, so it, it was another classic. It it you if you want to see this movie, you have to want to see this movie. What do you mean it, by that? It is sad, it is slow, Oof. it is three and a half hours long. Oof. But so, so that's kind of like the whale. Because the, the whale, I was so like depressed after I watched yeah, it. But that was like a tight 90. Yeah. Like, it's imagine if the you whale was... You all in on the tight the 90. The tight 90. <laughs> it's a good... I love a tight 90. This yeah. was a tight 200. Yeah. But you, if you sit through it, you learn a lot about the history of the Osage people and yeah. the, the genocides against them and watch some masterful filmmaking at work. How good was Leo? Scale of 1 to 10. Not my favorite Leo performance. Okay. Because he's, he's kind of playing an idiot. Oh, an, an evil idiot. That's interesting. Yeah, he, so he's usually like a secret, secret smart guy. Yeah, no, not departed Leo here. Yeah. So not, not my favorite Leo. All right, um, and stub, you give out your ticket stubs. Here. Give out my stubs. Four yeah. and a half stubs. Four and a Four half. Four and a half stubs from stub. Wow. Which even is even though it's not a tight ninety. No. No, it, it earned it earned that four and a half. Wow. <laughs> it, it had to work for it. And you yeah. have to work for it if you want to go. Let me ask you this, because this is always a key question on whether or not I know it's a really good movie. Did you dream about it last night? Were you thinking about it when you were tossing and turning so in this, bed? This is something sad about me. Yeah. Is I go to sleep and then I wake up. And you just don't There's dream. no dreams. I go to sleep and I wake up. There's nothing in between there. You've never had a dream? It's rare. Like yeah. maybe like once every two months I'll have yeah. a dream. Yeah. But I, and like I, I dream, I just don't remember it. All right. But before you fell asleep though, were you thinking about this movie at all when you got home? Or did you just okay. think about Spider-Man? I wasn't. Because I was playing Spider-Man, okay. and and that kind of took I, my attention. What about this morning? Have you thought about it at all? Yeah, I've been I've been stewing on it. Okay, because that's yeah. how I know it's a good movie if I can stew on it. Yeah, for it's a, a few a, it's days. a stewer. All right, it's a stewer, stewer by for sure. Stub. All right, that that wasn't a tight ninety, but we like to keep my show a tight eleven. All right, we gotta go. We'll be right back. You're listening to Awad on the Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, always available on the go on the Odyssey app. It's the best app out there for radio, podcast, and music because it's free, and it gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and then pick up right where you're left off. If you're a member of the AWOD Army and you want to grab a drink and talk some football, I will be out at River City Roll this Saturday for Shuck and Roll Uh, They're having an oyster festival. Uh, I watch college football there. Love the pizza. There's a bunch of local chefs that are coming to town. Of course, there's going to be a ton of oysters. That's River City Roll, Shuck and Roll. Uh, This Saturday, there's also going to be an outdoor concert. And speaking of River City Roll, our next guest, Dave Rigert. I will always support Dave. He's a real one, a true professional, because Dave came to football festival this year. What's going on, Dave? My man, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, and the Dukes, man, having a great year. I was watching that game last night on ESPN, and I was watching with a bunch of JMU uh, friends at Home Team Grill here in Richmond, and they all kept saying, 
How great is this? Because they all graduated like around me, 2015, that we're on ESPN. Not ESPN2, not ESPNU. The Dukes were on ESPN against Marshall last night. Oh, the one thing that, that has been crazy here, really, I want to go back to probably the, uh, the Virginia game where they played on ESPNU. Then against Troy, they're on NFL Network. They went to Utah State, and that was on a digital platform. But since then, the last four games, ESPNU against South Alabama, ESPN2 against Georgia Southern, ESPN against Marshall, ESPNU next Saturday against Old Dominion. So they have uh, – people are jumping on board this James Madison bandwagon. There's no doubt. And the coverage – this is part of why the administration wanted to move from FCS to FBS because of the exposure they are getting here in their first two years in the FBS. And obviously success certainly <laughs> helps. Winning helps. But they did not have this type of, of exposure in the FCS, even winning national championships. It's just different. It is. They knew it. And now they're, they're reaping the, the rewards right now of that. Dave Rickert is the play-by-play voice of the James Madison Dukes, and they had the 20-9 to win over Marshall last night. McLeod was awesome through the air and running the ball. Reggie Brown had a, a monster game. But I think the story of the game was the Dukes' defense with eight sacks, right? No question. And, and Jalen Green was a big part of that. Jalen's a guy that, you know, when he's played, he's produced, but he's always been behind guys. And honestly – if Isaac Ukwu does not transfer to Ole Miss after spring ball, Jalen Green's probably still a backup right now and getting limited reps. And he, he still would have played and, and, and been in the rotation, but he wouldn't have been starting. But he is getting a ton of reps now. He's playing almost every down. He's a, he's a three-down defensive end who can stop the run and get after the quarterback. He came into this season having five sacks. Last night, he had five sacks. <laughs> and he has 13 now in the first seven games. Jalen leads the country, leads all of college football at every level with 13 sacks. The next closest is nine. He is four ahead of the second-place sack man so far here in the country. He is putting up unbelievable numbers. And if this trend continues, he'll break the school record. He tied the school record for a single game last night. He could become a first-team All-American just because of the numbers he's putting up. And he's undersized. He may not get drafted. But he's going to make people think about it now. So he's having an unbelievable year. And this defense with eight sacks, uh, they were coming into the, the game last night tied with Alabama, third in the country in total sacks. That This will, will put them up near the top now. And that at one point they were number one. But this defense leads the country in rush defense. They, they were giving up 42 yards per game. They held Marshall to negative four. Obviously sacks count in that, but negative four. And that's the, the lowest total they've had since the 1980s. It was an unbelievable defensive performance last night for JMU. Yeah, and Ethan Payne's a really good running back for Marshall, so impressive stuff from the Dukes there. And head coach Kurt Signetti after the game had a funny quote about how quick these sacks were. Like, he couldn't believe how quick they were getting past the offensive line. Yeah, that's one thing. that The offensive line for Marshall is enormous. They go 6'7 and 6'9 at their tackles. One of their guards is 6'7. They've got a backup that's 6'7, so they're big. They're, they're intimidating. But JMU had no trouble with it. They, they used their quickness, their athleticism to get around these guys and really had no trouble the entire night. So um, that's one thing that they thought they could take advantage of, and it played out that way in the game last night. Dave Rigert with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, play-by-play voice of the James Madison Duke. So Jordan McLeod, 21 of 31, 264 yards, one touchdown, one pick, but also six rushes for 69 yards. Do you have an update on us? Because he left the game for a few snaps. I believe, was it a knee injury? It was, and just a little tweak. He was fine. They, they did some, some 
Tess on the sideline, and he came back into the game and actually played better after after he was injured. Um, he was a little, he was kind of hesitant in the first half. Didn't play great. He was getting happy feet and um, wasn't standing in like he had been the last couple of weeks. But I don't know if the, the injury kind of just calmed him down or whatever it was. But he threw a 53 yard pass to Reggie Brown, who you talked about had a big game yesterday. And then he got hurt on that play, didn't finish the series. But then his next two series he came in, he led them to two touchdown drives. So he, he, he actually played better and used his feet a little bit more after he was injured. So he was, he's fine. I talked to him after the game, said he's a little sore, but no issues whatsoever. And, and he's come a long way. Again, he didn't win the job coming out of fall camp, but he's put his head down. He's worked. He, he got the job back. And he's a guy that has really started to improve and be more consistent. He's a guy that – Came from Arizona, but didn't play much because he got injured. Played in five games over a couple of years there. Didn't play a ton in the last two years just because of injuries and different circumstances and, and transferring. And he's finally getting comfortable, getting confident. You can tell now this is his team. The guys are starting to gravitate toward him. And um, he's starting to play really, really good football, which is part of why they're 7-0 right now. I thought JMU was really resilient last night. 3 nothing at half, uh, and then... Marshall gets the safety, then they drive down the field, and JMU had that interception that changed the game and then got down the field and got a field goal. It felt like to me that there were a few big third downs that Marshall converted and flipped the momentum, including one where the guy bobbled to himself three times. And then JMU went right down the field and converted a couple big third downs, including a third and long in which McLeod found Reggie Brown in the end zone. This team, you mentioned resilient, and that's the perfect word for this team so far. They're, they're, they haven't always been pretty this year. Um, there's been a couple instances where they've looked really good, but they've just been gritty, gutty. Um, it, it's kind of been workmanlike. And even going back to the UVA game, they're down 11 points in, in the fourth quarter. They come back and find a way to win. They go to the defending Sunbelt champs the next week in Troy. They're up 16 to nine or 16 to seven. They, they, they let the nine point lead almost slip away. They've got to make five consecutive stops with a two point lead in the fourth quarter and do it. Utah State, they're up 24-0. Utah State comes flying back. They, they outscore them by 24, tie the game at 38. The defense gets some stops. The offense is scoring. They find a way to win on the road. South Alabama, they're up big. They have to hold on. The defense makes a stop, gets an interception. So they're just finding different ways to win. All, all these games, especially on the road, there are three consecutive road games then last night against Marshall. They're just finding ways to win. They're not playing their best. They're not playing as consistent as they want to play, but they're just finding ways. And that, that speaks to the culture of the program. The, the belief that they're going to win football games, because, again, that's been instilled in this program for a long, long time, well before Kurt Signetti got here, but he's enhanced it ever since their jump to the FBS because they, just, they, just, they believe they can win. They can believe that they're going to find a way to win. Even if they're struggling, the defense will get a stop. The offense will get a score. Whatever it is, they believe they can win, and that's why they're 15-3 and three now since moving to the FBS. Dave Rigger with us here on the Hadid Marshall Cleaning Hotline, radio voice of the James Madison Dukes. Follow him on social media at Dave Rigger. So what's all the talk like around campus and around the program with the rule that they can't play in the bowl game? <laughs> it's nonstop right now. And honestly, yeah. our fan base, um, and, and, and you know, you were with some fans last night. They, they can get a little obnoxious at times and <laughs> maybe a little overboard. And, and that's, that's, that's a passionate fan base. That's, that's why they're called fans. But – they don't have to do a lot of that right now. It's the national media that's taken off. Heck, ESPN's broadcast last night, they were all over the NCAA for not allowing JMU to be able to be eligible to play for the Sun Belt Championship. So, honestly, the JMU fans are kind of sitting back and loving this. The more, yeah. they win, the more JMU wins, 
the more national attention it gets. The Athletic put a, a, an article out this week. USA Today has done some stuff. There, there's different publications now that are jumping on board, especially with JMU being 7-0. and and people didn't even know this rule until all of this started happening. And, and they're just like, what? They, you mean they can't play for the championship? So it's an archaic rule. It, 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 we've talked about this at length. And, and, and I think people around here know it. But now the national media has really jumped on. It'll be interesting to, interesting to see if anything does happen. Now, I, I don't think it's – I've talked to Keith Gill last week, the commissioner of the Sun Belt, and I put out the scenario, hey, you know, if, if this team's 12-0 and 0, and – it's a chance where they could be in a New Year's Six game to bring in a ton of money for the yeah. Sun Belt. Would they be allowed to play in the conference championship game? And he he backtracked a little bit from what he said in July when he was just like, well, there's, there's a possibility. He kind of left the door open. Last week he said, well, it would be up to the members of, of the Sun Belt. So it would be the other 13 schools. And I just – I don't see a scenario where the other teams in the East are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, go ahead, go in, into the uh, Sun Belt championship. Don't wait your turn. But if there is a chance where they could bring in a ton of money for all of these schools for the league, if they were undefeated and had a chance at a power to go to a New Year's Six game, you know, maybe they would. It's probably a long shot, but there's so much talk nationally right now about this that, man, it has. It has a lot of people with eyes on JMU. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I understand if it, you know if it's Georgia State at the end of the season and it's Troy and they want to play for the title. But you know, if JMU's twelve and zero and the other teams are like nine and three, you think they would take a step back and say this could be great for the confidence to get this kind of national notoriety? So when would they have that vote? The rest of the Sun Belt members. I think it probably would have to be after – I don't know exactly, but I'm guessing it would have to wait until after the, the regular season is over. So the, uh, it may happen like that night, maybe after that Saturday night, the last week of the regular season, because, again, the Southern Belt Championship is the very next week. It's on a campus site, so it could be hosted by JMU if they would vote that way. Um, there, there could be some preliminary talks on, on this. Who knows? I, again, I don't know the specifics on that, but um, I would imagine that if they get to – Nine and zero, ten and zero. There's probably going to be some talks about, hey, just <laughs> just in case, let's let's talk about this as a membership. And again, sometimes university presidents um, don't always make the right decision for athletic departments. <laughs> but um, who knows? I, I don't know. It's it's probably a long shot. But if they keep winning, there's going to be a lot of talk about this, and it's going to be the buzz of college football, I think, for a while. Yep, just win, baby, win, and the story will grow. Right. Dave, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. All right. Anytime, Adam. Thanks, bud. That's Dave Briggert. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan.